Welcome to church. Welcome to LifeBridge. I want to say one other thing, which is I want to give a quick update on our year and giving. And um, if, if you don't know how to, how to support us financially, you can do that online. Uh, there's giving boxes on both ends of the hallway, and we have Venmo as well. And uh, if this is your home church, we ask that you support our mission financially and get involved. But really good news regarding the end of the year, we exceeded our giving goal by about $30,000. So our goal for December was 70, and we were at about 100. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity and for being a part of it. It helps us get into this year on a, on a, on a, with a strong base and a strong start. So we're very excited about that, and thank you for being a part of it. With that, I'm going to pray. And we're going to get going on a, on a sermon here today. Pastor John is, um, the, this weekend every year he does Christmas with his in-laws. So he is in Illinois doing that. So keep him in your prayers. And that's nothing against his in-laws. His in-laws are great. But uh, I'm going to pray and we are going to get started. Jesus, thank you so much that we are, we are back at church in person, Lord. And thank you that you are a God worth gathering and focusing our attention on. Lord, as we spend some time today in your word, God, we know that you are speaking to us and we know that you are drawing us onto yourself and help us to be receptive to that and open to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. It's really, well, thank you. I wasn't fishing, but I appreciate, appreciate that. It's really good to see everyone and to be back. We have been going through our campaign, which is called Among Us. And we are talking about, which apparently now is like a, a game the youths are playing. Does anyone know the game Among Us? It's like on the phone. So we named this thing and then our teenager was like, you should play Among Us with me. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And so you get, anyone play the game Mafia? Mafia? Not that, not, not that either? Well, Among Us, which you've never heard us of, is like Mafia, which you've never heard of. So that's helpful. Okay. Anyway, uh, she destroyed me in Among Us the game the other night. But this is something very different. This is Among Us the, the sermon series. And we've been talking about the incarnation of Jesus. So when we talk about the incarnation, it's, it's about the physical presence of Jesus on earth. And we, as we went through Christmas, Advent and into Christmas, we talked about what it meant for Jesus to come to earth and, and, um, and to actually be physically with us, God with us, Emmanuel, in person on this earth. And today we're pivoting and we're talking about our incarnate lives. So our physical presence, our physical lives, and how we live. And we are pivoting to the book of Romans, where Paul talks about a lot of these ideas. We're st- and we're looking at, at, at chapter 12 of Romans today. So if you want to follow along on your own, we'll be in Romans chapter 12. That's where we're picking up. So we're, we're, we're shifting a little bit from the life of Jesus and Jesus' incarnate living. Now we're looking at us as Christians. And we're starting... In Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read the first couple of verses and then we're going, to, we're going to spend some time in them today. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the first thing I want to just highlight is it says, therefore, I bolded the word therefore, and in view of God's mercy. So Paul 
is he's appealing to God's mercy. And anytime we see the word therefore, which with Paul, we see it all the time, he will talk about the gospel. He will preach the gospel. He will talk about the saving love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of God, and, um, and our access to salvation through, through Jesus. And then now it's chapter, so that was kind of chapters one through 11. He talks about just how, how, how sinful humans are, how undeserving we are. And then he talks about God, uh, God's grace and favor and, and mercy for us. And then he says, therefore, in view of that mercy, so that mercy, God's mercy is what he appeals to when he says what he says next. He urges, he, said, he doesn't say, take it from me, Paul, Take it from me, the apostle. Take it from me, the guy who started the church. Take it from, from me, the guy who started all these churches and who's viewed as this apostolic authority. He doesn't say take it from me. He says, I urge you in view of God's mercy. So he appeals to God's mercy when he says what he says next. And he tells them to offer their bodies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, um, we know that there is this form of worship that's about animal sacrifice, right? And so if you go through the Old Testament, there's, there's all these examples where, um, where God's people, the Israelites, they are, they are told to take their, basically their, the, best, um, the best of their flock and sacrifice it on an altar to Jesus, or to, to God, sorry. And um, this was worship in the Old Testament. This was both worship and atonement for sins in the Old Testament. And Paul is kind of, he's pulling from that idea and that language when he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now he also just finished talking about Jesus and Jesus was, was um, on the earth and then he died and he was that, his body, he offered his body as a sacrifice for us, right? And so appealing to God's mercy, he tells us, in a sense, to do the same, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, to give up our lives to the will of God. A living sacrifice. So obviously, a living sacrifice is not an actual human sacrifice where you die, right? It's about what we sacrifice in our life. We'll keep going. This is your true and proper worship. So sacrificing of ourselves, sacrificing of our own lives is our true and proper worship. And this is helpful for me because sometimes church people, and I'm a church person, I've grown up in church, we have some ideas about what true and proper worship is. Hymns or contemporary songs. Uh, am, I supposed to ra- I don't, am I supposed to raise my hands? That person's, I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands, right? Um, is it okay to speak in tongues? Is it not okay to speak in tongues? We have, we have these sort of like these debates or these, these differences of opinions around, around things in the church regarding our true and proper worship. But clearly we see in the text here uh, what Paul's saying, and it's got nothing to do with any of that stuff, is he says that our true and proper worship is about sacrificially giving of our own life. So he tells, he tells the church, the Roman church, he tells them, this is your true and proper worship. Then he goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is the NIV, and if you have an NIV Bible, that's great. I'm using it because I think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good uh, 
version to use uh, in, in a situation like this. But one thing that the NIV doesn't, doesn't bring through really clearly here and, and other versions do a better job of is it says, do not conform. And then it says, but be transformed. It would actually be better if it said, do not be conformed. Because, because both of those verbs for conform and transformed are passive. So the passive tense of those verbs, what that means, and again, the NIV doesn't capture that perfectly, but what that means when we talk about a passive thing is that being conformed or being transformed are not things that you do. They are things that happen to you. So you are either being conformed to the pattern of this world or you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. These are things that are happening to you every day, right now. And we know from our own lives that we don't really, um, we don't really stay where we're at. So if, if today, whatever, I mean, wherever I'm at today, which is a mixture of some good things and some not so good things, right? A year from now, I'm not really going to be right back here. We don't, we don't, we are always changing as, as, as human beings, as people, we are always changing and we are either moving towards a target or you're moving away from a target. And so we are either being transformed by allowing God and God's spirit to renew to daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, renew our mind, or we are being conformed to the, to the pattern of this world. This is something that happens to us. It's not a choice that we make. So when we think about our lives, when we think about the things we surround ourselves with, the things we watch, the things we listen to, the things we read, those are doing one of these two things. They are doing one of these two things. I want to talk a little bit more about the patterns of this world. So it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. So, there's a lot of directions. When we say don't conform to the pattern of this world, there's a lot of directions we could go here. And I want you guys to take a second, and if, if you just had to like think of three things, you're like, these are, if I had to say these three things are the pattern of this world, what would they be? So just take a minute and think of them in your head. So th the pattern of this world being the opposite of, of what we're, as Christians, that we're called to. What's the pattern of this world? And this is like, this is a text... If you guys haven't noticed this, whenever I preach, John always plans it out, and he always tees me up with a really easy one. If you guys haven't picked up on that, and you're like, he's pretty good at, he's pretty good at preaching. I'm actually, I'm actually not. Uh, he actually sets me up for it every time. That's kind of his thing. But this, just this idea, do not conform to the pattern of this world, that's like teed up for a preacher to talk about pretty much whatever they want, right? Whatever their pet peeve is. Whatever the thing that drives them nuts. They're like, And you know what the pattern of this world that I want to talk about today is? And then that's what we talk about, right? And you've got your pet peeve. I've got my pet peeve. There's a lot we could bring up. There's a lot we could harp on, right? But here's what I think is right for us to do. It's not our first instinct. I think it's right for us to focus on what's most directly applicable to us. So, what are the common worldly patterns of Christians in a small conservative town? That's a better question for us to ask ourselves. So if your answer was something going on in Portland, 
It's probably not what we should talk about, right? Because it doesn't have that much relevance to our lives. And I think this is something that we, we have to remember as, as, as a church. We are called to be, to be looking at the patterns of our world. We are called to be, to be critically thinking about and challenging the patterns of our world and holding them up against the life of Jesus and what we're called to. Not the patterns of someone else's world that doesn't really apply to us. When we do that, it's a, it's a welcome distraction from the stuff going on in our own lives, right? Because I, I we can always do the thing where we're like, well, yeah, I'm doing this and this, but look what's happening over there. Look what's happening in the universities or whatever. And we forget that our job is to make sure that our hearts aren't being conformed to worldly patterns. And so for us, this is not, this is not a moment to harp on, on things that we don't struggle with. This is a moment to look at our own hearts and say, what are the common worldly patterns for Christians in a small town conservative setting like this one? And by the way, just so you guys know this, I, this is something that we've, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about over the last couple of years. We feel like as a church, we are called to address those patterns. We don't feel, we don't feel necessarily called to talk about things that, that, um, that aren't what affect our hometown as much as we feel like we're called to affect the struggles that we have here. And so if you ever wonder like, why do they talk about this thing and they never talk about this other thing? That might be why. We don't want to preach to the choir. We probably, there's probably some things that almost everyone here, I have got concerns about going on in the world that almost everyone would agree with me and we could rah-rah around it. That's not really a, a very productive use of our time. That's not how we're discipled. So one more time, what are the common worldly patterns for Christians in small-town conservative settings like this one? Because those are the things we don't want to conform to. Those are the things we need to be, uh, be aware of in our own life. So what do we conform to? What worldly patterns do I conform to? Where does my thinking need to be renewed? Where do our patterns need transformation? And when we talk about sacrificial living, when we talk about present your body as a living sacrifice, I think about growing up in a church very much like this one and, and how much I, and this wasn't taught to me, but it is something that got into my head somehow. Uh, and I, I think I call it like, the, the bare minimum mentality. And I think that this is, a, this is a worldly pattern that I often conform to. I think back to, like, I think back to youth group and, the, and the, question, uh, the question being like, how far is too far with your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And I think, uh, I think we have that mentality a lot, which is basically, instead of saying, what, what is my life called to? What should I be giving Instead, we say, what's, like, what do I, what, okay, but to get to heaven, what do I actually have to do, right? What are the things that are actually required of me that I'm like, if I don't do that, I'm not getting in, right? And we tend to think about it that way sometimes because we do believe, we do believe in an afterlife, and we do believe in heaven, and we do believe in hell, and we do believe that we want to spend eternity with Jesus. And so the obvious question that comes from a worldly pattern that we ask ourselves is, what do I, what do I have to do? What, 
what will I not get away with if I, if I don't do? If someone does A, can I do B? It's kind of a bare minimum mentality. Even in, even in the scriptures, people ask Jesus, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? It's kind of the wrong question. And what that leaves us with is, is a worldly pattern where, where we basically say, whatever is best for me, as long as scripture, as long as scripture doesn't, doesn't directly um, condemn that, is what I'm going to do. As long as it doesn't directly say, this is wrong, I'm going to do it if it's best for me. If it's comfortable for me, if it's my preference. But we're going to keep reading and, and see something a little bit different here. So now, Paul's going to continue and give some really specific instructions. Starting in verse, in verse 3 here. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to be associated with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Now, there's a lot of other stuff in there, and the devotional unpacks some of those things this week. If, if there are a couple questions you have, there's a, a deep dive into all of this stuff. And if you're not doing the devotional, you definitely should be. It's great content, and it, and it goes deeper on what we talk about on Sunday mornings. But this is what Paul tells them to do. I want to point out in that last verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. At the beginning, I talked about two passive things, right? I talked about two passive things, which is being conformed or being transformed. Well, here, the first one is passive. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil, which is something that you do with good. So the action is good action. What God defines as good, action that is good, 
will overcome evil. So there's, there's a parallel between being conformed to the world and being overcome by evil. Because the world is a sinful place, right? Instead, we renew our minds, we do the things on this list, we overcome evil with good. That's what Paul is saying here. So we're going to go through, and you're going to have to hit one of the, each one of these for this next one. The, the renewed mind, here's the things that he just lists. So go ahead, Ian. It's, it's humble and self-aware. So right away, in the beginning, he talks about being sober-minded. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, which means with humility and self-awareness. Keep going, Ian. Acknowledges a need for community. He says, he says that, uh, he talks about all the different members of the body. He actually says each member belongs to all the others. That's a, that's, that doesn't actually sound like how we think about something like a church, right? Am I, do I have friends here? Yes. Do I enjoy the community? Yes. Do I enjoy connecting with people? Yes. Do I belong to them? I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I belong to them because that would mean that there's some, there's some authority that they have over me, right? That's our instinct. But what Paul says is if we're a community of believers together, we belong to one another, which means that we are, we are in, in a sense, we are beholden to one another. We have authority over one another. We can't simply come and go as we please necessarily. We belong to one another. The renewed mind acknowledges that. The renewed mind serves the community. Keep going. Love sincerely and with devotion. Hates evil clings to good, serves the Lord with fervor. I love that word fervor. He talks, about, he talks about don't lose your zeal, right? Don't lose your fervor. And as someone who's been a part of church my whole life, I've experienced times when I don't have a lot of zeal. I don't have a lot of fervor. And I think, I think church folks, I know that we know that that's us sometimes, where we're like, we're kind of just going through the motions, right? Some of you guys today are kind of just going through the motions, right? I've been there. I've been there. But a renewed mind serves the Lord with fervor and with zeal. It's excited about the mission of Jesus. It's excited about the gospel. It's excited about community and, and, and building a kingdom community. That's stuff that should bring us excitement and joy and fervor if our minds are renewed. Let's keep going. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Keep going. Gives to the needy. Repays and overcomes evil with good. Now that's a hard one for us. Again, when we go back to that, that, that worldly pattern, the worldly pattern that a lot of us are affected by and would still ascribe to in some ways is, if someone does evil against me, then I have a right to do evil against them. It's defending myself, it's doing what's best for my family, whatever. Now, that's a really complicated subject that I'm not saying that in no case is there ever a reason to certainly defend yourself and things like that. But the renewed mind repays and overcomes evil with good. That's not something that's going to come naturally to us. But it's something that we can do with a renewed mind. We're going to go into communion in just a second, but, but I... I want to just focus on kind of the big idea 
um, of, of this passage that I want to dial in on for a minute. Um, and then we're going to do communion. So, band, you guys can come on up here and, and get ready to go. But um, what's the next slide, Ian? Go ahead. A renewed mind willingly sacrifices. A conformed mind explains away all forms of sacrifice. So a renewed mind, that list of things, it's a sacrificial list. It's, it's a list of things that aren't necessarily easy to do. A conformed mind is really good at explaining all that stuff away. And, and guess what, church? We're really good. When we, look at, when we look at the Bible and we look at what Jesus says and we look at what Paul instructs us to do, there's a lot of stuff in there that at the end of the day we can look at it and say, I'm sure that was true for them. I'm sure that was true in that application. But for me here right now, you got to understand where I'm at. And so we are, come on up guys, you're good. And so we are really good at explaining away the sacrifice that we're called to. I want you to think of examples of that. Just in your mind, just for a second. What are some things that you've read in scripture or, I don't know, a pastor has told you that Jesus says to do or whatever, that you've basically, in one way or another, for yourself, for your personal faith and your responsibility to it, you've explained away. We are so good at doing that, and we don't just do it with, we don't do it with our faith. We do it with, with, with a lot of things. We can, we can tweak, <laughs> we can tweak reality to what, to what suits uh, our preferences. And so that list of sacrifices that, that Paul calls us to, there's some stuff on that list that when I look at it, I want to say, yeah, but look, we got we to gotta be practical. We got to be realistic about this. Like that, that was the world then, but today, you, got, you don't understand how it is today. People are evil today. If you do that today, you'll get eaten alive. If you do that today, you'll just get taken advantage of over and over. If you do that today, you'll, you'll be putting your family in harm's way. If you do that today, you won't be able to leave uh, a legacy and inheritance to your grandkids. If you do that today, and you can go on, and you can go on, and you can explain every single thing away. And find yourself back in a place where what you've had to sacrifice is very little. But a renewed mind willingly sacrifices. A renewed mind willingly gives of their life. That, that living sacrifice that our life is called to be, a renewed mind does that willingly. As we go into communion now, we are going to, we are going to take communion together, and I want us to be thinking about this. Let's be thankful that Jesus didn't explain away the sacrifice that he knew he was being called to. He has a moment with God in the garden where he says, hey, God, I really don't want to do this. But if it's your will, I'm going to do it. He has, he has disciples who are trying to, they're like, Jesus, this is, this is not a good plan. You're supposed to stay here. You're supposed to, you're supposed to overthrow Rome. You're supposed to do all these other things. And Jesus is like, no. You're not explaining this away. Get behind me. This is, this is what I'm called to do, and it's what I'm going to do. So God, we, we thank you that you sent Jesus, and Jesus, we thank you that you did not explain away the sacrifice that you had been called to.
Help us to follow in that. In Jesus' name. Amen.